This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. Tonight, wherever you are, just for a minute, I want everybody to pray. Let there be a reset tonight. Let there be an improvement tonight. Let there be a transformation tonight. Let there be an adjustment, an amendment by the Spirit of God. For those of us here and those who are watching us live right now, that the Spirit of God will breathe upon your homes, upon our lives, upon every relationship, that again, the testimony of Jesus in the area of Christian homes will be very strong, will be very edifying will be glorious in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, blessed be your name. We worship you, we worship you. We give you praise. We give you praise, we give you praise. We give you praise. Blessed be your name. Thank you for what you are doing tonight. Thank you for the experience that many are about to have by the anointing of the Spirit of God, by the Word of God. Blessed be your name, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. Bringing up Pastor Kingsley tonight. Are you set for an Someone mightily grace of God in this area and is here with his dear wife. First of all, let's appreciate together Pastor Kingsley and Pastor Mildred Okonkwo. Put your hands together for them. Let's appreciate them. And tonight, with Jesus joy, let's welcome to our soul of David. This is the first time, but certainly it will not be the last time. Let's welcome Pastor Kingsley. Put your hands together. Shout. Woo, this is your season. I say it is your season. It's your season of dancing. Is your season of rejoicing? Is your season of restoration? In the name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout it louder. Amen. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Before you sit down, help me appreciate your wonderful pastors. Pastor Shola, Pastor Abigail. You can do better, guys. You can do better. You can do better. Hallelujah. Praise God. God bless you, man of God. I'm so happy to be here. I'm amazed at what God is doing through your lives. Well done. Well done, man of God. Well done, woman of God. I appreciate you. I honor you. Amazing. Amazing. Hallelujah. One more time. Let's clap for them properly. Hallelujah. Amen. Please take your seats. Pastor, I really appreciate you um, for doing meetings like this. Um you might not know the impact of this kind of meetings, but it's very powerful because we are laying foundations that will affect many generations. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Okay, so tell your neighbor, happy Valentine's Day. Somebody said, but Valentine is not in the Bible. <laughs> hallelujah. It doesn't matter, we have hijacked it. Any opportunity to celebrate love is good, amen? Because God is love. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? God is what? Love. All right. If you're a married person, can I see your hand? You're married? 
Can I see your hand? Beautiful. All right. Hallelujah. Okay. You are not married. You are single. Can I see your hand? Single. Oh, the single club. Okay. If you are in, it's complicated. Can I see your hand? It's complicated. <laughs> you are in between the two. Praise God. All right. Today, your pastor has asked me to speak on costly mistakes that uh, people make in courtship and in marriage. Before I start, I want to tell you that I brought a lot of my materials, uh, books and all that. I really, really try to emphasize that people should buy books and read. Um, Like Pastor said, uh, at least the Pharisees even read something. Um, I can't teach you everything I know about relationship or that you need to learn about relationship even in one week. Praise God. Even if I'm here for one week. I just flew in from Abuja. I've not even gotten home. I came straight from the airport to this place. And (laughs) praise God. And in Abuja, I preached there Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, two services. And I didn't finish everything I know. <laughs> Amen. So one day can't solve all the problems. However, if you start to read, it will be able to help you. I have a lot of books. I can't go through advertising them or talking about them. Um, but they are good books. This one says, should ladies propose? <laughs> I won't answer for you. Read the book. Another one says, God told me to marry you. This one says, I love you, but my parents say no. I have many of them. There's one that says, my wife has one on how to be a virtuous woman, Kyle. She also has one titled, Praying for Your Husband. Um, I have one titled, Seven Questions Wise Women Ask. I have one titled, Seven Qualities Wise Men Want. I also have this one. This one is our best-selling book. I and my wife wrote this book together. I want everybody to get it. Whether you're single or married, get this one. All right? Um, it's for both single and married. It's titled, A to Z of Marriage. All right, so I and my wife, alphabetically, we dealt with what A to Z means for a married couple. Alphabetically, A to Z. You know, when you tell a man to love a woman or tell a woman to love a man, that is very vague. What does it mean? Say, love your husband. What does that mean? Love your wife. What does that mean? We need to break it down to practicable steps. So that's what we endeavored to do in this book, A to Z of Marriage. So me, I taught the women what love means to a man, alphabetically, and my wife taught the men what love means to a woman alphabetically. Amen. Is that a good idea? Yes. It's, my best, it's our best-selling book. So if you look at A here, um, I told the women, A for men is acceptance. Men like acceptance. You know, women are natural dreamers and nurturers. So every time a woman meets a man that is interested in her, in her mind, she's already make, making a mental picture of all the things she's going to change about him. Say, this is the, the with dressing. I don't like it. When we marry, I will change it. This is her style. I don't like it. When we marry, I will change it. So women are like that. She's already making those mental pictures. Yes, it's good to change him and improve him, but the first step is to first accept him. Men like acceptance. Men learn better in an atmosphere of acceptance. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? So if you want to correct him, don't start by confronting him. Start by accepting him. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? So if your husband eats and makes noise when he's eating, don't just say, see how you're eating like a bushman and making noise. No. Tell him that, honey, I like the way you enjoy your food. Uh-uh, you enjoy, that's why I like cooking for you. You enjoy your food. Then I, when he's very happy, you don't tell him that, but you know, you can't eat like this outside. Though. People will It will change faster like that. Are you getting what I'm saying? My wife taught the men, A for women is attention. Women like attention. Everything about the woman is geared towards attention. Her dressing, her 
the color of her clothes are bright colors. The fitting of her clothes are to show figure. Her hair is long. The lipstick is colored. Everything about a woman is for attention. Women need attention. They feed from it. So it's a crime for you as a married man. Your wife spends five hours in a salon to make her hair. She comes back and you don't notice. You are saying, where is my food? That's the first thing you said. You must notice. When she's talking to you, it's important you leave whatever you're doing and look at her. Women need attention. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? All right. So, with that, that here, R, letter R is, I taught the women, men need respect. We broke it down. You need to get the book. I'm just going to mention those two points. Men need respect. You can get a man to do anything if you tell him respectfully. Men were created with a sense of ego. Now, I know there's a negative kind of ego. I'm not talking about that one. But even positively, men have ego. Every man wants to be a king of his castle, even if that castle is one room pal and palo. Somebody get what I'm saying? Men were made like that. So men value respect. That's why when David met a woman I call in the Bible the unforgettable woman. I have a message titled, The Unforgettable Man and the Unforgettable Woman. That unforgettable woman, incidentally, is your pastor's namesake, Pastor Abigail. <laughs> when David met Abigail in the Bible, he never recovered. Because before that time, he was married to a woman called Michal. Michal didn't respect him. Michal talked to David anyhow. For the first time, David met the woman called Abigail. In one conversation, Abigail knelt down to talk to him and called him Lord 12 times or 11 times. In one conversation, David didn't recover. He has never been respected like that before. She called him Lord 11 times or thereabout. In one conversation, she knelt down to talk to him. He just, immediately she did that, he collected her number. And her Instagram handle. <laughs> he continued to like her picture and comment. The moment he saw, she, she posted obituary of her husband, he ran to marry her. <laughs> For him to rush immediately, her husband died to marry her, it means they were keeping in touch. He was monitoring her. He was liking her posts and checking all her posts. Somebody get what I'm saying? He did not recover from that respect. Men like respect. You must tell him, no matter what you want to tell him, just tell him respectfully. It will gain more mileage than when you confront him. We will make the mistake of thinking that I need to give my husband fire for fire. That's the wrong way. You won't get results. You will pass your point, but you won't get results. Because men are natural warriors. I teach, <laughs> uh, after that, the message, I hope you know. Because <laughs> sometimes, after that preaching, people don't know. After that preaching. <laughs> As I preach it, by the way. So, <laughs> you know, so um, um, men like respect. So you need to know how to talk to men. So sometimes you, you might feel more like giving fire for fire, but that won't get you results. Because men are natural warriors. That's how we were made. Natural warriors. We are fighters. We fight for everything in our life, unlike the women. As a woman, you don't, you don't have to fight for everything in your life. If you are very fine and you, you are well positioned, life will happen well for you. For men, it's totally different. We fight for everything we get because nobody send us. Are you getting what I'm saying? Ah, check. That's why companies use more female marketers than male marketers. Everybody will pay attention to a female marketer. If somebody's knocking on your gate you have never seen before, if it's a man knocking on the gate, say, what do you want? You should answer it from my side. We are selling something. We are not buying. You don't even know what he's selling yet, but you don't want a man. You don't trust him. If it's a woman knocking, say, come in, my dear. What do you say you are doing? You are selling, we don't need it, but we'll buy two just to encourage you. It's good for young girls to be working. Are you getting what I'm saying? 
So men are warriors. <laughs> we are trained to fight. Some of my staff, pastors of my staff, they were coming to my house. You know, you've been to my house. They were coming to my house in Lekki and their car broke down, middle of the road, in that Lekki Express Road. There were three guys and one lady in the car coming to the off, to house to have a meeting with me. So the three guys were the ones trying to stop cars to help them. Nobody stopped. Three men stopping car. The arm robbers. Don't stop for them, oh. The arm robbers. They now got sense. The men went inside the car. The lady came outside and was stopping car. Three cars stopped. They received help immediately. <laughs> are you getting the point now? So men are fighters. So the best way to get a man to answer you is not to fight him. I teach my married women all the time. Men don't know how to do play fight. You know play fight. Women like play fight. Play fight is that when something's annoying me, I'll act like we're fight- quarreling, like we're fighting. Then you come and beg me or we'll make up. Women like play fight. Men don't know play fight. All fight is fight. <laughs> so when you tell a man I'm going, he's really packing your load and calling Uber for you. You'll be going. You say, no, I'm not really going. He said, no, we are fighting. <laughs> Hallelujah. So if you want him to change, don't confront him. Learn to talk to him respectfully. You can have opposing opinion. We're not saying you should not have opinion. But know how to talk to him so that he can listen. Is somebody get what I'm saying? So respect. R for um, the women. We taught the men that women like romance. This Valentine's season. Women like what? Romance. Women like romance. Women are fantasizers. Women are naturally are created to fantasize. That's how they are made. That's why if you notice all their movies from when they are young is based on fantasy. Cinderella, all these movies. Somebody's in a castle. So one guy, prince, rides white horse. All those things that can never happen. <laughs> but the movies we still sell because women are fantasizers. They are called chick flicks. They are female movies. Cinderella, forget her shoes. Somebody came to look for her. Forget your own shoes somewhere. They will sell it. Nobody's going to come. But you see, they are fantasy. But that's how women are created. They have the gift of fantasy. So you, as a man, your job is not to bring them back to reality. Your job is to fulfill their fantasy. And that's what romance is. <laughs> Hallelujah. But many men think their job is to bring their wife to reality. Look, oh, see how things are. Oh, this is the reality. Mm-mm. She knows it's reality. But once in a while, learn to fulfill her fantasy. Learn to be romantic. Every man can be romantic. We are not born like that usually. But you can be like that. Learn to be romantic. And being romantic is not hard. Many men tell me, Pastor, it's hard. It's not hard. Being romantic simply means doing the normal things in a special way. That's all. Hallelujah. Do the normal things you will do, but do it in a special way. That means if you want to buy her a gift, you know she likes perfume. Don't just go and carry, call her on the phone and say, Hey, I'm in perfume shop. I'm seeing three perfume now. Which one will you choose? Now, in a way, you know, it's a good thing you are buying a perfume, but you are doing it too ordinarily. Instead, pay attention to the fragrances she likes. She must have mentioned one perfume she used to use that she liked, or one perfume she has smelt on somebody that she likes. Take note of it. Then buy it. When you buy it, wrap it. Not in camouflage color. In something pretty. Wrap it, then when you bring it to her house or wherever, hide it. Somewhere she will find it. I get what I'm saying. <laughs> Don't, now, it's the same perfume you want to buy. Some of you have already bought that kind of gift before. But you just bought it and carried it and said, hey, my sister, see the perfume here. This is it. Start spraying. No. The same thing you wanted to buy for her, but make it special. Make it special. So you buy it, you wrap it, you hide it somewhere in the house. Or in a car, whatever. One day, somewhere you know she will go soon. 
Not somewhere you go and hide it 10 years after. Rat has carried the perfume and gone somewhere. Somewhere she will find it. And when she sees it, you will now put a post-it note on it. That I know you will find it the way I found you. Simple. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's very simple. It's ordinary perfume, huh? but see the grad that you are doing to deliver it. Women are more impressed by the delivery than by the gift. Hallelujah. It is men that don't care about delivery, men care about the gift. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, rom- being romantic is doing the ordinary things, but doing it in what? A special way. I remember. The first time I was going to fly my wife abroad, I mean to America in particular, because we had, we had been to UK and all that then, but I'd never flown out to America. I remember when we were dating, I kept telling her, first time I fly to America, I'll fly you business class and everything. So finally, we got American visa. We were now ready to travel, and I surprised her on her birthday. Took her to the airport. I told her, our pastor said we should go and pick somebody for him at the airport. And she was asking, ah, why will your pastor say you should go and pick? When did you? He doesn't normally send you to pick somebody. He said, don't worry, just ask pick somebody. So she just wore her clothes. She didn't pack anything. We went to the airport. When we got to the airport, I said, honey, I'm flying you business class to America. We are going now. She said, I've not bought anything. I brought her my debit card. I said, you will buy everything. Everything you need. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's the same traveling abroad that you will tell her, we're traveling next week. Oh, start back in. Oh, start back mm. Make it adventurous. Women like fantasy. I get what I'm saying. I remember many years after when we were having our second child in America also. You know, I took her there to drop her with the, to have the child. Then she asked me, are you coming back? I said, I'm not coming back. I'm doing ministry. I don't have time to come back till you give birth. But I knew I was going to come back. So somewhere in between, I just jumped on a plane and landed in America without telling her. I told somebody to take her out of the house. I opened the door of the house. I sat down in the parlor. She came inside, opened the door and saw me sitting there. She was looking like this. She was touching me that, is it really you? It's the same coming to visit that anybody can do, but put some, you know, surprise in it. Women like excitement. You don't have to be dry because you're a Christian. I get what I'm saying. That's why people say Christians are dry. I don't know how, me, I didn't learn Christ like that. I get what I'm saying. You can enjoy this life. We are the owner of this life. We are just renting it to the unbelievers. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? We are the owners. Glory to God. They say we are the heirs of all things. Are you getting what I'm saying, guys? My wife is a phone geek. She likes phone and things like that. I swear anything Apple. So I knew that. So her phone was due for changing. I traveled America to preach. So on my way, I bought her the latest phone of that time, latest iPhone of that time, and iWatch. But you see, many people, they, they, they won't call her from Nigeria. Hey, I'm in the Apple store. I want to buy a watch. Which color do you like? Mm-mm. You should already know her colors. You should already know what she likes. You see, when you decide to honor your wife, God blesses you. That was on that message. I can't start to preach it today. It will take us far. I can tell you many times. When God says he that finds a wife, finds a good thing, obtains favor, God knows what he's talking about. If a married man here, eh, the best financial decision you can make is to honor your wife. Somebody understand what I said? Let me face this side. I say, if a married man here, the best career or financial decision you can make is to honor your wife. Women are favor pipes. Ay, 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 ay. When you treat your wife right, favor will flow. It's biblical. It's there in the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament. It's established. Are you here, somebody? So I bought her the, the iPhone and iWatch. New, the latest ones. But you see, I didn't just come and tell her, I'm at the iPhone, I bought you phone. Or I landed, I say, I bought you phone. Mm-mm. I landed straight into service Sunday morning. Straight to church. 
and the phone was in my handbag. You know what I did? We normally sit together like this in front of church. So when I got to church, I put the iWatch. I came before her to the front. I put the iWatch on her seat. So as she came into service, normal to service, first lady, carry your Bible, everybody come. When she sat down, she sat down on something. Ah, she said, what was this? I was already up preaching then. She checked and saw the latest iWatch. I was already preaching. I just bowed my face like I didn't see her. In church, we are doing romance. People are being blessed spiritually. We are blessing ourselves naturally. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? It's iWatch, but don't, you don't just deliver it. The way you deliver it is more memorable. Women like memories. So I dropped it. She, was, she sat down. I was check. I watch. I was just preaching like nothing is happening. I was just oppressing her there. <laughs> preaching like nothing is happening. Now that was first service. Second service again. Because remember I bought iPhone. I mean I watch and iPhone. Second service. I did the same thing but this time with the phone. So she came again. Second service. First lady came to her. She sat down something. Ah, what is this? What is that? New iPhone. I continue preaching like nothing happened. Now I could have brought the two together at the same time. Abby. Yeah, but don't waste your fizzy. Don't waste your fizzy. Spread it so that it will last very well. Spread it. Hallelujah. Are you getting what I'm saying? So women like romance. So please buy this book, A to Z of Marriage. All this talk I talk was to sell this book. <laughs> I'm joking, but you know what I mean. It's a good book. Then lastly, the one I'll recommend before I go into the other side part of the message. This one is a good Valentine gift. It's a good gift, whether it's Valentine or not. Um, all year round. So this is me and my wife coaching couples all through the year. 52 tips for 52 weeks. So if you're a married person or someone in a relationship, you'll be hearing from me for the next 52 weeks. For one year, it's called all year round. One, week it, one, one tip a week, I'll be coaching you on what to do. In case you don't know what to do to make your wife happy, don't worry. You'll be hearing my voice. Every week. <laughs> you'll get the book, then you also get emails that will remind you of the things in the book. Every week. Praise God. It's both for men and women. My wife did for the women all year round for women. I did for the men all year round for men. Hallelujah. Are you getting blessed so far? No, I don't believe you. Are you getting blessed so far? All right, costly mistakes <laughs> that people make. You will not make mistakes, so. I'm telling you. If you have seen people that have made mistakes in relationship or marriage, the suffering is too much. A good marriage is one of the best gifts you should give yourself. See, Nigeria is already too hard. You can't go and marry wrong marriage. If somebody gets what I'm saying, I'm telling you, the things we face as a country is already tough for you now to go and carry yourself into a tougher situation. That will not be your portion in the name of Jesus. And for those already married, I speak peace into your homes in the name of Jesus. Your marriage will become sweeter from now on in the name of Jesus. All right. Number one mistake people make is not doing it with God. Or let me say it this way, doing relationship or marriage without God. Doing it without God. God is the author of marriage. Like Pastor said earlier on, it was the internet that started marriage. It's not talk show that started marriage. God is the author and the creator of that union called marriage. So he's the best person to ask about anything. It doesn't even make sense to attempt marriage without God. Don't even think about it. It's not worth it to go into it without God. Doing it without God is the number one mistake many Christians make. They think God is only useful for business. God is useful for prayer. God is useful for fasting. But for marriage, I will use my local sense. No! God is the creator of marriage. 
He's the author of marriage. Don't do it without God. It starts from even the decision of who to marry. Don't choose by yourself. Listen, God gave us something called free will. Free will means you can marry anybody you like. But it's better for you to marry the person God wants for you. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? You have free will. You have free will. You can marry anybody you like. But however, if you're a wise person, you would have learned by now that God always has something in mind. God sees marriage as a ministry. God sees marriage as a ministry. He sees marriage as a major part of your destiny. So you can't just marry somebody because she has shape. You can't just marry a man because he has a car. Don't marry him because of what he drives. Marry him because of what drives him. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's a destiny molding decision. It's not something you can just make without God. Put God. Start with God. That's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12. It says, let's offer our bodies as a live, as living sacrifice, which is the best way of worship. He said, and let's not be conformed to this world. Let's renew our mind so that we can appreciate God's will for everything for us. In other words, if you are not renewed, you will think God doesn't have a will. You just say, I like this girl. No, no. When your mind is renewed and you have offered yourself, that means you have a will, but you put your will down so that you can find God's will. Then you will know that God always has a better plan than you. The more you grow in your Christian work, your prayer points begins to change. When you're still a baby Christian, you're telling God what you want. When you start to grow, you know that God knows better than you. So you begin to ask him what he wants. And if somebody's getting what I'm saying. That's how you know you are growing. If you're still telling God where you, the school you want to go to, instead of asking him the school he wants you to go to. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. You know, people just pray. They, they inform God. Say, God, God, we're going to Unilag. Meet me there. No. Do you know everything about your life is planned? Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. I wish somebody can catch this. The Bible said there's a path laid out for the just. There's a path. There's a path laid for you. And you know what? Every important thing of your life is on that path. Do you know why many Christians need many miracle prayers? They are not on the path. So everything is a rescue mission. If you follow the path, your job is on that path. Your destiny is on that path. The church you're supposed to attend is on that path. The person you're supposed to marry is on that path. God is too organized to let you come on the earth and be wondering. He's too organized. Somebody that numbers the hair on your head. That's how detailed he is. So you think he just wants you to be roaming the earth? That's why everybody's in a heavy miracle prayer. Because if you walk in the blessing, you notice your prayer points reduce. Just be thanking God. Because there's a path. Things are coming as that went to you. Because God wants you blessed even more than you want to be blessed. You're not the one convincing him to bless you. He's trying to convince you that you are blessed. I don't know if someone's getting what I'm saying. There's a path. So the more you grow in God, you stop telling God things. Say, God, I want to go to Canada. Does he want you to go to Canada? Now, you have free will. You can go to Canada. But let me just tell you. Every time you make your own decision, you forfeit something. That, he, that is in his own mind. And the little I know of God, whatever his own plan is, is always better than your own plan. I'm not saying you should not go to Canada. Come and look at me and say, hey, I want to, no, fill your form. But I'm saying, be sure that God is saying go. 
Be sure. This, the Bible said, in, um, 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 trust in the Lord with all your heart. Proverbs 3, 5. He said, and in all your ways acknowledge. He not in your understanding. He said, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall do what? Direct your path. Shall direct your path. So, you know what? If you don't acknowledge him, he will just be looking at you like that. You just marry anybody you like. Don't do it without God. That's number one mistake. My wife had a very interesting story. My wife was in a relationship <laughs> for five years with a gentleman, nice guy, a Christian. You see, it's not even every Christian. I'm saying, it's not, you know, I have my money on believers. I will get to that point. But the person can be a Christian, can even be in the same church with you. But God is saying, this is not my best. He said, there is a good, there is an acceptable, and there is a perfect will of God. So they are in three categories. They, you want to marry a good Christian, that's good. It's acceptable, but it might not be the perfect plan that God has. I don't know if I get what I'm saying. She was in a relationship for five years with another Christian. The guy was a medical doctor. Better doing well. He just traveled to the UK then to even go and do his masters. So he was going, going to do well. But you see, all the while she was there, she knew she wasn't very, very happy. It was okay. It was okay. Listen to me, when you're a child of God, okay shouldn't be normal for you. Oh, I don't know if somebody's getting what I'm saying. Okay is not God's will for you. She was okay. He was not a bad guy. He was a good Christian guy. You know what happened? One day God told her that call him and ask him that if I want you to do ministry, will he be okay with it? He's a Christian. Oh, my wife thought that's an easy question. That if, I'm sure he will agree. That guy, I mean, that's a no-brainer. He will agree. So my wife picked the phone, called her, her fiancé. Five years, they had no introduction. I said, hey, if God wants me to do ministry, will you be okay with it? He said, never. He's a Christian. He said, that's not what I want. I don't want, I don't marry a pastor. I don't want that. She was shocked because in her mind, she thought that would be easy. God said, the man you are with, is not your husband. God showed up by scripture, that scripture of that woman by the well. He said, the man you are with is not your husband. Ah! She was shocked. And the relationship began to dwindle from that point until they finally broke up. Now, when they broke up, she was saying that, Lord, the way you showed me through scripture who I should not marry, show me who I should marry. By that time, me, I was already in the picture. God showed her again, First Samuel 16 or so. God said, the one you are supposed to marry, he's the last born. Talking about David in the Bible. That he's the last born and he's keeping sheep. And God asked her, what position is Kingsley? That's me in his family. I'm the last born in my family. And he said, what do pastors do? He said, they are shepherds. They keep sheep. God said, and arise, anoint him for he's the one. All in scripture. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying, somebody? So, don't just go by yourself. Be led of God. I know it's not common in the younger generation, but you guys are going to suffer it if you don't follow God. Because God always has a better plan. Let God be involved. On that way, you let God to be involved is in the choosing. Like I said, you know, when we were younger in the Lord, we used to read Proverbs 18.22 that said, he that finds a wife finds a good thing. We thought it means we should go and be finding. I suffered in this Lagos, Pastor. When I was looking for a wife, that's when I knew the road in Lagos. Before that time, I only knew my area, first act. But when I was looking for a wife, 
I read somebody explain Proverbs 22, um, 18, 22. He that findeth. So he said, go and be finding. This scripture doesn't mean to, for you to go and go around and be finding. Because even some girls do it. You are finding. Dating site, finding. Everywhere you're finding. Mm-mm. This scripture is referring to something somebody that has found. They didn't mention the process of finding. If you want to know the process of finding, look at Proverbs 19.14. DJ, bring it up. Good. It's on, DJ, bring Proverbs 19.14. He said, house and riches are an inheritance of the fathers. He said, a prudent wife comes from where? The Lord, you can't find it. It's not by hustle. He said, something that God can give you. You can inherit your ha- a house from your father. You can inherit riches from your father. But he said, that's good wife. Oh, there's only one authorized dealer. Hey. Proverbs 31.10 says the same thing. He said, a virtuous woman who can find. You can't find virtuous or prudent women. God gives them. Because they are in limited supply. So God does what? Gives them. You know when drink has started finishing in party? You know, at the beginning of the wedding, they put it in drums. People are just, waiters are sharing it. When the malt or wine is about to finish, they will not position a strong person there to be looking at face before he gives the malt. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. So that's how prudent wife is. They are in limited supply. It's called a virtuous man who can find. So they look at face. Oh, Pastor Shola, take one. Hallelujah. Pastor Kingsley, take one. Put your own name there. <laughs> take one. Hallelujah. That's how they do it now. So I thought it meant be finding. So I, I, I started finding around Lagos. I put people in our churches. Fountain of Life, Redeem. I put my scouts there. Not joke. <laughs> I, put, I said, if you see any fine Christian girl, call me. They will just come and say, Pastor. I say, Yes, Pastor, yes. Start coming now. We have seen someone, she will soon live here. Rush down to church. I will enter my car. Boop, 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 big traffic to get there. When I get there, I say, See her there. I say, Where? There. Where? I say, There. I will look at the person. I don't like it. I say, Why didn't you marry her? My friend, this is why you brought me from. I'm serious. Though. Sometimes they will come from first act to Badagri. I'm telling you. I suffered in this Lagos until I fell asleep like Adam. The wife didn't come. I pray for you that you are searching. God will locate you in the name of Jesus. Let God help you find. All right? Your, and, and when I mean putting God also, your guarantee of a happy marriage is not in that the guy likes you, it's in that the guy likes God. It's not in that the guy loves you, it's in that the guy loves God. It's not in that the girl loves you. It's in that the girl loves God. Many people think, oh, we love each other and it will work. You are joking. Everybody that is divorced today on their wedding day, they thought they love each other. Nobody married at gunpoint. Nobody marries at gunpoint. Everybody came willingly with their two legs. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. So, love for each other never holds a marriage it's the love you have for God that informs who you are and how you treat your spouse hallelujah let me move to number two also on, on, on letting God be involved don't marry an unbeliever the principles of marriage are not for unbelievers it can't work the principles of godly Christian marriage oh, the thing God said to do there is too hard for a natural man to do it you need the help of the Holy Spirit God was never banking on unbelievers to practice the principles here. Never banking on it. Are you getting what I'm saying? Never banking on it. 
somebody told me, I have some friends that are not believers that we play tennis or something together. And they were joking, jokingly. They were telling me that, ah, why do we say we a man should stay with one woman? Didn't God love David and David had many wives? Didn't God bless Solomon? Solomon had 1,000 women. I said, those men did not have the Holy Spirit. There's no way those men could have kept the principles of God in their flesh. Are you here, somebody? That's what it means to go and marry an unbeliever. He will never be able to obey the wisdom of God. He can't even receive it. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? I used to teach people that it's good to have a joint account because that's what covenant marriage is. Two people are becoming one until I discovered that many people that even come to church are not born again. Many people that attend church are not born again. <laughs> so now I tell them it depends on how saved your spouse is. Because you don't go and join to somebody that is not, if you know you marry an unbeliever, I can't guarantee anything that he will do. I get what I'm saying. The book is based on the fact that this person has the spirit of God. Hmm. Everything Bible say, wife, submit to your husband. A Christian, you go and submit to an unbeliever, you will suffer. He's not even subject to the things of God. The concept of submission in the Bible, because many women fight about it, there's a, there's a concept to it. He said the head of every woman is the man. The head of that woman, the head of the man is Christ. And the head of Christ is God. So there was a structure. You want to just remove the middle. I want to run the middle by yourself. That man that is supposed to be over that woman, the man is supposed to be subject to Christ. If he's not subject to Christ, submitting to him will be very tough. Because he, he too is even submitted to another channel, totally different from your own. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. The Bible said, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. If you're a Christian, marry another Christian. It's sweet. How can you be dating somebody you guys never discuss scripture? What kind of relationship is that one? How can you be married and you guys never pray? You never pray together. You are missing the most beautiful part of marriage. The Bible says, if two shall agree as touching anything on the earth, it shall be done for them. There's nothing I and my wife have prayed about that has not happened. Nothing. There's nothing we have prayed about together that has never happened as I'm standing here today. Nothing. One time, many years ago, sir, we agreed. We were sitting in the car. We agreed. I said, honey, let's believe God for a million dollars because I saw the sluggish nature of Naira. Somebody didn't get what I said. I saw the sluggish behavior of Naira. I said, no, please, if you're here, don't aim to be rich in Naira. Just aim to be rich in dollars straight. If you are rich in dollars, you will be rich in Naira. Automatically. But if you are rich in Naira, you know you might not be rich. A millionaire in Naira cannot rent house. Easily. <laughs> How much more buy? So I told her, honey, this was many years ago. More than 10 years ago, I believe. Ago. I said, honey, let's believe God for a million dollars. She said, are we going to be changing our Naira to dollars? Or are we going to get dollars directly? I said, I don't know. Let's believe a million dollars. We, did, we said that on a Monday. By Wednesday, the same day, somebody came to my house and brought a bag of dollars, $100,000 in cash. In cash. Please, it's a long time ago. Don't come to my house or call me. Because somebody's saying, hmm, no, just relax. <laughs> in cash. How do you be married to a Christian and you're not tapping into the power of agreement? If two shall agree as touching anything, 
It took her and my wife about eight years to have our first biological child. But you see, we already agreed. We said we wanted twins. We wanted them. We had their names, David and Davida. We agreed. Now, after the first child we got, we now the other, the other two, we wanted them to be twins, like I said. They didn't come the same year, but they still came the same date. So our two last children, still David and Davida, were born the same day, August 22nd, just two years apart. So they are still like twins. They still celebrate the same birthday, and they look alike. And there's nothing we've agreed about. I can go on and on. The place we live in, the same thing. We agreed exactly how we wanted the house to be. To the last detail. Crazy details I can't even go into here. So how do you say you are married? You guys never read the Bible? I've never had to tell my wife that wife submit to your husband. Never told her because I knew she's a Christian. She already knows the standard of Christian marriage. She had never had to tell me, husband, love your wife. When you are using scripture to beat yourself, you chose you don't understand how this thing works. into the benefit. You are dating somebody. You guys never discuss scripture. Somebody said, Pastor, there are so many pretenders. How do I know he's a real Christian or not? You just be a real Christian. You will know a fake Christian when you meet one. Are you here, somebody? Say, but there are so many pretenders in church. If you are really born again, it won't take you more than 10 minutes to know another real Christian. No matter how much he's shouting. We were in Paris one time, me and my wife. You know, there are trains that take you to your terminal from, from the, where you land. The train comes every two minutes. Every one minute. You don't have to rush. If this one is full, you can wait for the next one. Every two, two minutes they come. One guy, the train was about to close. One guy was running. From far, gra, gra, he jumped in. He, he almost died. Because the train has almost started moving. He jumped inside. When was, I don't have to know that he's in Nigeria. I know he's in Nigeria. Black person. I'm in Nigeria. I know Nigerians. I get what I'm saying. You know, you know, white people can't tell us apart. White people can't tell Afri- Africans apart. All black people are black to them. Look at like, it's like when you see Chinese and all Asians, you think all Asians are Chinese. No, they, are, they all know themselves when they meet themselves. They know that this one is um, uh, Indonesian, this one is um, a Korean, this one, they know the difference. But for us, they are all Chinko. Am I correct? Because they are the same height. And they don't have bomb. Okay, that's not what I should be saying. <laughs> Let me go. <laughs> they all look alike to us, <laughs> but amongst themselves, they know the difference. So we can all be going to church, but the serious Christian knows another serious Christian. That's my point. Hallelujah. Let God be involved. A threefold cord is the one that is not easily broken. When God is there, the home stands. Let me move number two. That's why it's number one, but I'll finish on time. Don't worry. I'll rush the remaining. Number two, costly mistake couples can make is marrying for the wrong reason. Most marital problems are foundational problems. So singles, this one, I'm really facing you at this second point. Please marry for the right reason. I have a book here too, titled 25 Wrong Reasons People Enter Relationships. 25 Wrong Reasons. One of the wrong reasons is that don't marry for money. Marry considering money, but don't marry because of money. Money is an important factor, but that can be the reason why you want to marry somebody. Are you getting what I'm saying? One of my sons, many years ago, came to me and said, Pastor, I'm getting married. I said, okay, when did you want to get married? Since I know you have not talked about marriage before. He said, I'm getting married. I said, what happened? He said, there's this girl that I've been toasting me since secondary school. I've been dodging her. But finally, I want to agree. I said, why? He said, she just told me she made one million naira. This was some years ago. So one million naira was still money. Maybe it's like what we call 10 million or 7 million now. He said, if I can confirm that she really made that one million, I will marry her. I say, by the time you rent house, plan wedding, you will finish this one million. Then you will be stuck 
with her. You would have made a permanent decision based on a temporary breakthrough. You can't marry for money. There are many marriages that are built on money. It never lasts. By the time the, the, the person makes their own money, they'll find that they resent the person they married for money. We always see it. It comes out. Or by the time they see another candidate with a higher money, even in marriage. Don't marry for money. Don't marry for the wrong reasons. There are so many wrong reasons. Get the book 25 wrong reasons. Marrying for the, if you marry for the wrong reason, you have most likely married the wrong person. So please marry because you love someone and both of you are compatible and connect. In spite of what they, where they are in life, they will get to where you want to get to. Number three. Third mistake is not learning about relationship and marriage. Not learning about relationship. And pastor has talked about that a bit today. He said, the Bible said, my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. Please don't make the mistake. Thank God for a church like this that's organizing programs like this and you can buy books and learn, attend seminars. Nothing happens by chance. Every once in a while, when I post my videos on marriage and all on my page, somebody will come and write uh, all these relationship principles. It doesn't work for everybody. It's personal. I say, I've never seen a success say that thing before. All successful people know that there are rules and guidelines to everything. They know that. It's not by luck, it's by light. Is somebody get what I'm saying? You can't come to a church like this and just think it's by luck. This light is working by luck. Everything here is working by luck. It's light. There's a deliberate action somebody's taking. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. There are rules. You must learn. Do you know? <laughs> That's why we have many successful doctors that still have unsuccessful marriages. We have successful engineers that have unsuccessful marriages. Why? They spent seven years studying medicine, zero years studying marriage. So where you invest is where you harvest. I don't know if you got that. I said where you invest is where you harvest. If you are spending seven years in medical school, it will show in your career. But if you are not spending the same or equal or good enough time studying marriage, it will also show in your marriage. Many double into marriage, hoping it will work. They just hope it will work. How many of you know Larry King that just passed on some time ago? You know Larry King, CNN producer. The older people will know him, probably. Larry King was one of the best CNN presenters ever. He broke all the records, viewership and everything. Incredible guy in terms of presenting communication. Big CNN presenter. He just died recently, some weeks ago. As at the time he died, he died single. But he had married eight times. He had married what? Eight times. See, if you make one mistake, it can be a genuine mistake. Twice, you're a suspect. Three times is your pattern. Eight times. Ignorance is called ignorance because you are the one that ignored knowledge. Mm. That means knowledge even came to your house. You ignored him. He sat on your sofa, your parlor. You ignored him. He came to church with you on Sunday. You ignored him. Wisdom shouts in the center of junction. Wisdom is shouting there. But you ignored him. That's why it's called ignorance. It's a, it's a deliberate act. Ignorance doesn't fall on you. You do it. You can't say, I'm ignorant. I didn't know. No, you didn't want to know. Because the knowledge is available. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. He married eight times. <laughs> I read something in an interview he made. <laughs> Let me read it to you. He said, 
He said, in my head, I am not the marrying guy. He said, the days I grew up, nobody used to live together just for living together's sake. That if you fell in love, you got married. And so I married the ones that I loved. He said, but, when I, he said, but what I loved at 20 is not what I loved at 30. And what I loved at 30 is not what I loved at 40. Do you get what I'm saying? He, because he thought love was a feeling. So he kept marrying, marrying eight times. All failed. Eight times. And this is a very, I'm saying this because he's a very clearly an intelligent person in other areas. He's not a complete fool. You know, some people are foolish. Every area they're foolish. No. This one. <laughs> I'm using him as an example because he's clearly successful globally in some areas. But you see, knowledge doesn't pass generally. That you're a good driver doesn't mean you'll be a good uh, manager. You must learn managing separate from driving. You can't say become a good driver. Everything else, I'll be good at it. Mm-mm. Doesn't work like that. That's why we still have pastors too that have bad marriage. That you can preach it has nothing to do with marriage. You don't preach at home. Pastor Lord doesn't tell Pastor Abigail, listen to me, Pastor Abigail. What are we gonna eat tonight? Listen to me. No, no. <laughs> you don't preach at home. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So you must learn about marriage. Where you invest is what? Where you harvest. Number what? You're not following you. Number what? Number four. Another reason why marriages and relationships struggle is that some people want to be themselves. I'm just being myself. Is one of the number one causes of failure in marriage. There's nothing like being yourself from the day you agree to marry. First Corinthians chapter 7. DJ, I hope you have message translation. I call the people that mix scripture for me, DJ. DJ, are you there? I don't know where you are, but I hope you can hear me. Give me 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 28, the message translation. Message. Can you get it? I hope you can get it. In King James, see, why are you looking for it? No, I want um, 1 Corinthians 7, 20, 28. 1 Corinthians 7, 28. If you can find message. He said, but if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a, a virgin marry, she had not sinned. He said, nevertheless, such that marry shall have what? I can't hear you. What is he saying? Shall have what? You will have trouble in the flesh. If you can find a message for me, I would like it. What they are saying is that, look, marriage is going to be demanding. It's not all roses. Marriage will stretch you. He said, you will have trouble in the flesh. It means it will pepper you sometimes. The reason is because you will need to go out of your way many times. You can't be yourself and succeed in marriage. When you were yourself, you sleep anytime you like. When you were yourself, you like light to be on when you sleep. Now that you are married, if your wife can't sleep with light on, you do what? Switch off the light. Me, I like hot places. My wife likes cold places. She likes AC. Me, I can survive without AC. I don't open window and be taking fresh air. Every time she leaves the room or she travels, I off LDAC. I open. <laughs> I get what I'm saying. You like to eat cold food. Your husband likes hot food. You like food that is refrigerated. Your husband likes the food to be cooking. And he's seen it. Marriage will stretch you. This is why many are frustrated. They want to be themselves. I'm just being myself. Not in marriage. In marriage, you have to become who your partner wants or needs. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Marriage will stretch you. You can't be yourself. You say, me, I normally raise my voice when I'm talking. 
Hallelujah. Okay, see the message transition. He said, but there is certainly no sin in getting married, whether you are a virgin or not. He said, all I'm saying is that when you marry, you take on what? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's why when I see when girls, when they propose to girls and they are dancing and showing the engagement ring, I'm laughing. I said, you don't know what is going on. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> you don't know the suffering waiting you. He said, you will take on additional stress in an already what? Stressful time. When you were a single lady, you go to work and you're stuck in traffic and you get home, you just boil noodles. Or you just even eat crackers and sleep. Now, you are married. You have children. After the while of traffic, you will still get home and cook and do homework. You see additional stress. In an already stressful time. I want to marry, I want to marry. Are you sure? So I'm just being myself. You have not learned how to calm your voice down to talk. You just raise your voice and shout every time you're talking. You must learn to keep your voice down now. Because your wife doesn't like shouting. We cancelled a couple. One of the reasons the marriage broke was that the man was raising his voice. Because she grew up in a home. Where when they talk, they all whisper. <laughs> the man grew in a home where they talk. You know some people, they don't even know he's shouting. Because for them, it's normal. You better make sure your normal is normal. Because everybody has a normal they are bringing from their house. Make sure your normal is what? Normal. <laughs> so, every time they are communicating, the man is shouting. The woman is afraid. She's shaking. She said, she, I can't take it anymore. She left or not, Joko, she has gone. I'm not, I'm not, we couldn't bring them back, oh, she has gone. Hmm. We talked to the mother, the mother said, no, we don't shout it out. We can't take it. They've all gone now with the children. Not joke. <laughs> They've gone. So I'm being myself. This is how I always talk. I'm not even angry. I'm just how I talk. Eh? You can't be yourself now. Now you're married. A woman too, you be your mouth is sharp naturally. Say me, I just say, I always say my mind. Everybody know me. I say my mind, you will change now in marriage. Because the Bible says only a fool that says all his mind at once. Hallelujah. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. <laughs> so you must learn. I'm being myself. Say me, I'm not naturally, I'm not romantic. You, you could know me, I'm not romantic. Mm-mm. The Bible says if you marry, you will seek the things of the world, how you will please your spouse. First Corinthians 7.33, I think. He said, how you, how you will please your spouse. So you can't be yourself. Let me rush the remaining. Number what? Five. Not doing premarital counseling. Mm. Some people think they are so in love. Say, we don't, we don't need any counseling. Counseling for Buddha have trouble. We were in love. Our love is enough. The Bible says, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs eleven fourteen and many other places in Proverbs. I don't want to waste your time. Proverbs eleven fourteen though says it that counsel is what makes a purpose to be established. Look at it here. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is what safety. Always go for counsel. Don't. I'm sure your church has premarital counseling system. Don't just fall in love and marry on the street. 
go through your, the counseling. Even for those of you that are already married, there's nothing wrong with still getting counseling. Look, marriage, counseling is not for people that have problems. Sometimes you yeah, go through counseling just to make sure the health of your marriage is still in form. Anybody that has a good car knows that you don't wait till the car breaks down to take it to a mechanic. There is servicing. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. When you buy a good car, normally they will tell you by so and so kilometers, bring it for servicing. You don't have to wait for it to break down. But the people that manufacture the car, they know that by this amount of time, you generally need to change the oil. Not that it won't work with the old oil, but it won't be working at its maximum capacity. So, counseling doesn't mean you have a problem in your marriage. Sometimes you have to check the health of your marriage. And you have somebody that is neutral and knowledgeable. Not that you go and report to your father and mother, like Pastor said earlier on. You have issues in your marriage, you go and report to your mother and father. Mm, leave it neutral, because your father and mother are not going to be neutral. They will most likely be partial. And if you get what I'm saying. And on that reason why it's wrong to involve your parents or family is because when you forgive your spouse, they might not forgive. They are not in love. And if you get what I'm saying, you can't tell your mother that your husband said she's stupid, that your whole family is stupid. When you guys are quarreling. When you have settled and forgiven your husband, you think your mother will forgive? Every time your mother comes and says, this boy said we are stupid. So, always good to get a neutral party that doesn't know you, that doesn't care, or at least you'll be your pastor, something like that in your house, that will tell you the word of God, the mind of God, without any fear or favor. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. As I'm here, I've been married, I've been married for about 16 years. I've been a marriage counselor and coach for over 20 years. I still subject myself to counsel. As I'm here, my wife has a number of my mentors. She's free to talk to them at any time. Are you here, somebody? I still subject myself to counsel. I don't, I don't think I'm too big that nobody can talk to me. That's what makes many marriages fail. Let me run. Number next. What's number next? Number six. Make sure you always follow due process. Anytime it comes to love, follow the due processes that are in place. Both the processes that are in scripture and the processes that are in your church. Follow due process. Process helps you to censor when your emotion wants to lead you astray. You can't trust emotions. Like Larry King, he said the, what he liked at 20 is not what he liked at 30. That's because emotions change. He said what he liked at 30 is not what he liked at 40 because emotions are fickle. They are not reliable. But processes cannot lie. Are you getting what I'm saying? Follow what? Processes. I almost entered trouble many years ago. If not for process. I wanted to buy a house many years ago. I didn't have the money. But I had, the, had, had one million naira. I think the house was eight million or nine million. I can't remember. That was many years ago. I had only one million naira. And I, I, I really wanted that house because I liked the estate it was in. So I brought my agent. I have an agent I use. And I told him, let's go and pay. Let's, let's deposit the one million. We'll go and look for the remaining. The guy said, no problem. But the guy said, let's get a lawyer to write an agreement that if we can't pay and the guy sells to another person, he will return our money. I say, no need for agreement. We trust this guy now. He's our friend. You see, that's emotion. But the man insisted on the process. I say, he won't lie to us. This man has been friendly to us. Your emotions can deceive you. But processes cannot lie. That agent said, never. He will never allow me to drop one naira until we get lawyers to sign and the man to sign. He insisted, in spite of my not agreeing, he insisted and got lawyers to do documents and the man signed. Do you know, we eventually couldn't pay and the man actually sold to another person. But to return our money became stories. That document that that guy forced me to sign, 
that made that guy pay us. If not, he would have chopped down my one million free. That's what happens emotionally. When the boy or the girl say, I love you, you say, I love you, we love each other. Uh-uh. Follow due process. Process will help you censor who is real and who is fake. One of my daughters from abroad brought one guy that they want to marry. Uh, I did first counseling session with them. Everything was too good to be true. Me that I'm a counselor, I've never seen a man like that before. <laughs> Everything perfect. I say, ah, ah. This must be God. Everything too perfect. So I began to ask questions. You see, like I said about counseling earlier, that's what counseling does. It brings clarity. I began to ask questions. And as we began to ask questions, I began to find out that they were planning to marry very quickly. In a matter of weeks. I said, no, slow down the process. Because even her parents were not even aware. That's part of procedure. Her parents were not aware. I said, because in our own church, for instance, we, know, we like to know what your parents are saying. Not just your church, everybody, two weeks. I said, no, slow it down. The moment the woman told him that let's slow down and do all the process. Till today, Pastor, we have not seen that boy. Till now. It's almost a year. Well, that perfect boy. So he had ulterior motives. Ulterior motives. Are you understand what I'm saying? When you follow process, it, 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 your, your emotions can be trusted many times. For you to know yourself now, when you are in love, you are giving money, giving your shoe, giving everything. Process. We say don't give one naira. I have a message I call undue influence. There are about seven things you must not give until you marry. Money is one of them. If you are dating somebody, let's just date for each other. Don't give money. Once you start giving money, it will, it's an undue influence. Somebody can be agreeing to marry you because of money. If you remove money, let's know that you like me or not. People can't pretend for long. They can pretend, though, but not for long. On that thing, you should not give for time is sex. Don't give sex for time. It blinds your emotions. It makes you feel you have given too much for you to go back. He has slept with me. So he's maltreating you now, but you still want to continue because he has slept with you. He disverging me. So you want to marry him. That's not a reason. Oh, I'm pregnant for him. That's not a reason to marry. Don't give sex before the time. Don't give sex before the time. Are you here, somebody? Follow due process. In our own church, part of due process is that you must talk to a pastor, a minister in church when you are somebody who wants to start. Pastor, they brought one guy. One lady brought one guy who she, she wanted to marry. Usual procedure, he must come and greet us. Let's even know you. When the guy came, the way the guy shook me. <laughs> because as a Christian, the standard is that you must marry another Christian. And if he's a real Christian, he should have spiritual home training in the church where he's coming from. So there's a way he will behave. I will know that he's really a Christian. When they brought this guy, the way he shook me. Somebody that introduced us as, as his pastor. Pastor, is this our senior pastor? Senior pastor, this is my fiance. The way the guy shook me. Ah, I said this one can't be born again. It's not, it can't shake me like this. <laughs> I said it's not born again. He nearly broke my heart. I said, You can't be born again. <laughs> if I'm born again, I'll be shaking pastor like this. No, <laughs> you can't be coming from a church and you, you, that has a pastor and you maltreat me like this <laughs> on our first meeting. <laughs> ah, I said, No, 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 no. <laughs> I said, don't marry this guy. 
at all. This handshake is already wrong. It's not the approved Christian handshake. There's approved godly Christian handshake. <laughs> I said, don't marry the guy. They left church. She ran away and left the church because she wanted to avoid the process. She ran away and left church. I didn't even say don't marry her together. I just said, don't slow down the process. Because that's, that's one of the first Once I see there's a problem, I will say, slow down so that I can pray and you can pray. My own prayer is that for your eyes to open, to know what you're entering. But I said, slow down. I said, slow down. She couldn't wait. The Bible said, those that believe do not make haste. Anybody telling you they can't wait, they can't wait, it's not for marriage. Because in marriage, patience is your number one virtue. You will wait before marriage and you also wait after marriage. Patience is what keeps marriages working. If you don't have patience now, you can't even survive in marriage. You will learn patience either before marriage or after marriage. But that patience, you will shall learn it. They ran to another church to get married. They left church to go and marry somewhere else. And a year or so after, they were already divorced. That handshake, I knew they can make it. <laughs> Number what? My time is already up. Hallelujah. Have you been blessed at all? I said, have you been blessed at all? Hmm. I'll do one last one. My time is up. I'll just do one last one. What causes problems is not building intimacy. Not building intimacy. Listen, for the married folks, intimacy is the strongest thing that holds a marriage together. Intimacy. is that connection two people have that keeps them going. That friendship, that closeness, that transparency, that understanding of each other. Without, in, you see, when there is strong intimacy, every marriage can survive. Every marriage can survive infertility, infidelity, insufficient funds, in laws, interference. If the intimacy is strong, the challenge you are facing can be so, can, can, you can overcome it. Most times, when people, when married couples tell me their problems, their problem is not what they think their problem is. Did you see the marriage of uh, Jacob and his wife? I mean, um, 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 Isaac and his wife, where the wife supported Jacob, he supported Esau. It was an intimacy problem. They were not even on the same page. Most of the things you are calling problem are not problems, it's an intimacy problem. Two of you are not even close. When you are close, there's nothing you can survive. It's not that marriages are standing, don't face challenges, it's that they are strong enough to face the challenge and to survive it. The Bible says, when the storms come, because the storms will come. When the rains come, because the rain will come. When the wind comes, because the wind will come. But if your house is built upon that rock, it will survive. Are you here, somebody? How do you build intimacy? Understanding. So you must understand your spouse. What are they saying? Maybe next time when we, we, we have a chance to teach, I will teach on some, of, some more things. I don't have time today. Understanding. You understand your spouse. You understand their love language. You understand how they understand, how they see things. Then you are transparent. You are not hiding anything. Because Bible said they were both naked and not ashamed. You are communicating. Because men don't read minds. They read newspapers. So many women, they are, they are sulking. Thinking the man will know what's paining you. He will not know. Tell him. I get what I'm saying. When you build that intimacy, there's nothing you can't survive. And then you start taking actions of love. There are so many things here I can't cover. But lastly, I'll tell you this, guys. 
ask for the help of the Holy Spirit. For the married couples, if there's anything I want to leave you with today, always ask for the help of the Holy Spirit. He's our helper. He doesn't only help us with spiritual things. He helps us with everything. Talking to your wife, talking to your husband, the Holy Spirit can help you. Sex, the Holy Spirit can help you. Cooking, the Holy Spirit can help you. He will always remind you, obey promptly when he does. Pastor, my marriage took a new turn when I learned the power of the Holy Spirit. Those days, I'll get to my house from work. My wife will bring out food. And as I'm eating the swallow, Samoa, Mala, or whatever, fish fighting in the soup, the Holy Ghost say, give your wife fish from your food. I will say, Holy Ghost, she's the one that cook the food. If she's looking for fish, she knows where. She's the one that even gave me this one. She can eat fish. Holy Ghost say, give her your fish. I'll be arguing that he, she's the owner of the fish. And while I'm doing that, she will say, honey, give me inside your fish now. Ah. And with women, once they tell you, before you do it, you have scored zero. Men don't know. <laughs> you only start scoring points when you think about it. Because women naturally speak in parable. They don't speak literally. They speak in parable. You must decode. That's how you score points. If she has to tell you, I'll not give her the fish. I said, ah. Sometimes I'll be in the office. I'll go say, call your wife now and just check on her. I said, okay, I'm coming. Let me just finish what I'm doing. I'll call her. One minute or two minutes after that, she will now call me. And I said, honey, I was planning to call you. What's that? Zero. So every time the Holy Spirit prompts you, you're just going out. Say, go and hug your wife. Go and kiss her. Hold her from the back as she's in the kitchen. Obey the Holy Spirit. Are you here, somebody? You say you don't know how to have sex. The Holy Spirit can coach you. Can tell you what to do. Can tell you how to talk. Can tell you what to say. Something, the last one that happened recently. I and my wife had one disagreement on something. And we're in the car driving. And she sent me a chat. Those of you that your husband doesn't always talk to you, he's always on the phone. Send him chat. Do you understand? If he doesn't like to talk to you, he's always on his phone. Chat him on Instagram. If that's where he's talking, she'll talk to you from there. <laughs> so we're in the car, though, so we couldn't talk verbally. That's why she sent me a message. She sent me a chat about something we had a disagreement about. And the moment she sent that and I read it, long message, the Holy Ghost said, all you need to say is, ah, oh, I'm sorry, baby. But I said, no, I'm a teacher of the world. If I explain properly, she will agree, understand. And I wrote my own long reply. It didn't go well. It didn't go well at all. Weeks after, or days after, I can't remember, we were now talking, and she said, that time I sent you that long message. I wasn't expecting you to start defending yourself. All I expected you to say was, oh, I'm sorry, baby. She used exactly the same words the Holy Ghost told me. I just faced my front like I don't know what she was talking about. I didn't tell her that the Holy Ghost told me. <laughs> she heard it like this when I was preaching one day. I was so ashamed to tell her that the Holy Ghost told me exactly those same words. Exactly word for word. The Holy Ghost knows the mind of your spouse. Hallelujah. He knows when you should reply and how you should reply. I pray for you today. I pray for you today. If you are here under the sound of my voice and you are a single person, I pray that you will offer your body as a living sacrifice. You will offer your will as a living sacrifice. And your mind will be renewed to the point where you will value God's plan above your own plan. In the name of Jesus. Your eyes will be open. 
you will find that spouse of your dreams. You will be found by that man of your dreams. In the name of Jesus. You will be at the right place at the right time. You will never miss God's mark for your life. You will not just marry for the wrong reason. You will marry into destiny. You will marry your destiny partner. You will fulfill God's plan for your life. In the name of Jesus. If you are in a wrong relationship, God will open your eyes. God will stir up your spirit. In the name of Jesus. I pray that God will do a quick walk in your life. This year will not pass you by. It will be a year of divine connections. You will meet that man or that woman you've been waiting for. The power of delay is broken in the name of Jesus. And for those that are married here, I pray for the healing power of God to flow in your union. If your marriage is sweet, it will get sweeter. If it's deep, it will grow deeper. In the name of Jesus. Just like Jesus turning water to wine at a wedding. Very significant. Because water is plain colored, but wine is red. Speaks of passion. Your marriage, if it's just going okay, from this season, it will become a passionate marriage. Wine, water has no effect, but wine intoxicates. The love of your spouse will intoxicate you in the name of Jesus. Water stays the same after years, but wine gets better with time. A decree, as your years in marriage go, that's how sweet your marriage will be. It will get better and better. It will get sweeter and sweeter. Any area that has been hurt or pain, I pray for healing in your heart. Grace to forgive. Grace to move forward. Grace to be restored. In the name of Jesus, the love you once had for your spouse, I decree to be rekindled in the name of Jesus. You even love each other more now than you did before. In the mighty name of Jesus, your own marriage will be a testimony. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand. Thank you for being a part of our broadcast. You know, we never like to end without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Coming into Christ is beyond joining a church, is beyond a religion. It is joining God's family. And that is done when you believe in Christ Jesus. So I just want to lead you right away now. If you are, if you want to give your heart to Christ, just say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again and that you paid for my sins. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior, and from today I belong to you. If you have said those words, will be late, you are born again, you are part of God's family right now. You can go ahead and rejoice about it. God bless you.